The Bedroom Producing Podcast, Season 1, Episode 4. Welcome to the Bedroom Producing Podcast. If you're a bedroom producer and you want to release tracks, perfect your workflow, or explore a new creative process, then this is the podcast for you. Today's guest is artist Digo, also known as Daniel Goldstein, out of New Orleans. Daniel and I discuss some of the subtleties of the future-based genre, recruiting vocalists for your track, and tips for planning your album artwork. Digo, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. 100%. Thanks for making the time to be here, man. Yeah. So uh, I definitely want to get into your creative process and want to talk about some of the different projects that you're working on as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we do that, can you tell me a little bit about your musical background and how you got into being a bedroom producer? I come from a family where music is kind of a a must. My mom uh, was pretty, pretty adamant that like, you know, you got to play an instrument when you're growing up. Uh, That was important. So my brother and my sister both did, and she kind of put me on that same path when I was in kindergarten. When I was like five years old, she started me on piano lessons, um, and I hated it. I probably took like two lessons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then she was like, no, you have to pick an instrument. So I was like, all right. And eventually, I picked drums a couple years later. Uh, played drums for probably five or six years. Um, and then I fell off a little bit in terms of music, but in high school, we had this like electronic like music production class. So I start, I took that when I was a junior, um, but I knew like literally nothing. Oh, so I should clarify, I should step back. When I, my family got like an iMac when I was growing up and so I would like arrange loops together and I was yeah. like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Um, had no idea what I was doing. Um, so when I came to that class, I still had no idea. Like, I didn't know what like chords were. Like I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, drummer, right? I, 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 that was all. I was all rhythmic. It was nothing. I feel melodic. your pain. I feel your yeah. pain. Drummer <laughs> <I'm a> too. <laughs> so I was like, damn, I, I know nothing. And so I borrowed my neighbor's keyboard and I got on YouTube and just started kind of learning piano and trying to learn all that stuff. Um, took that class for a couple of years and then I took a year off between high school and college, and uh, I got an audio engineering certificate out in Ohio. Oh, cool. Um, Where in Ohio? Chillicothe, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I live yeah. in Columbus. So oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. at the recording yeah. workshop, if you're familiar, um, yeah, everyone who I'm goes not. to Capitol actually has cool. to go there as part of their uh, engineering degree. So that was tight. Oh, fantastic. I need to check um, that out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's cool. And um, yeah, so I did that and then took one semester of theory in college and just kind of met people in college. Uh, one guy in particular, my freshman year, who really helped like mentor me um he was signed on a label when i met him um so he was doing school and doing some music at the same time so he really helped me show me the ropes of logic which is the software i use and um and yeah i just sort of have developed through there watching a lot of youtube tutorials just talking to folks getting to know producers and you know collaborating and all that all that good stuff and just kind of working on my craft I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Can you tell me, do you have any favorite YouTube channels you can recommend for the audience? I love Synth Hacker. Uh, he does sound design tutorials, for Serum mostly. Cool. Like Serum and Massive, I think, are the two. Uh, he's great. It's like love really it. simple, straightforward. He does great recreations of the sounds. 
Um, and that's been really big for me because like whether or not I like the actual sound he's going for, the techniques he uses to get there, I'm like, oh, let me try this next time. And so I just learned the synth way better. Um, you know, I was just able to like, if I now want to make my own sound, I'm like, oh, I have this idea in my head. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I learned these strategies from watching his videos. Um, so yeah, he's awesome. Um, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Synth Hacker. Synth Hacker, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great, man. ADSR, like Echo mm. Soundworks, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's one that's like Logic, like why Logic Pro rules if you're a Logic user. Because um, he really gets into like the details of like what that software can do. Because it is so insanely powerful. I just like, I don't even know. Like <laughs> I'm probably halfway yeah. into the software at this point. I've been using it for six years right and so i'm like every you know i'm learning new stuff there's an instagram let me actually pull this guy up because he should he should get a shout out (laughs) um logic underscore tips on instagram um cool excellent stuff really just helps me out Um, tips and tricks for logic yeah right just short form like hey did you know logic can do this i'm like no i didn't that's awesome (laughs) yeah that's that's one thing about logic so i've dabbled in logic I'm mostly an Ableton guy myself. Yeah. Uh, but Logic is insanely powerful. There's a lot of little things that are kind of under the hood. Yeah. That are not necessarily intuitive that you can do with it, I've noticed. Yes. Um, and so it's, you, you got to kind of know where to look. It, I think that there is a higher learning curve with that software personally. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of different things that you can do with it too. Yeah. And, and I went to Logic because... I was, I started out just like arranging loops on GarageBand. And so it was yeah. a pretty natural progression for me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, had I known a little bit more about production and like, I, like I didn't get into electronic music until I was in college. So I'd already started kind of producing before that. Um, mm-hmm. Had I, th- had I been leaning towards electronic music before I, maybe I would have gone with Ableton earlier on. Um, but I, I think to this point I've, I've learned logic well enough that I can pretty much do anything in logic that, I mean, I know Ableton's probably a little bit easier to use. It's a little bit kind of more upfront on that production end, but I think it is. yeah, I think I think eventually once once you learn these little tips and tricks in Logic, you can really yeah do the same stuff, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I think you can absolutely be successful in either one of them or a different yeah. DAW if, if that's right. what you want to use. I think it's personally, I think it's kind of about your workflow. What's going to work for you, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, as long as you're comfortable and you can make the music you want to make, like. Yeah. Just, you know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really matter. So. Yeah. I, I used to have a friend. He would say, if the song is good, you win. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so That's right. very true, Craig. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you didn't get into electronic music till you were like in college. Can you tell me about some of the different artists who have inspired you or different tracks that have inspired you? Yeah. Um, so I... So I'm, I'm from Boston originally. We don't really have like a festival culture much up there, or at least we didn't. Boston Calling has grown like so much in the past, like three or four years even. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't really something I was a part of and we didn't really have much of. Um, but yeah, I came here and I heard, uh, do you know, oh, Feel Good, Delenium, Griffin, and Dea? Oh, yeah, yeah. I- yeah. Okay, yeah. And I was like, this is cool. Cool. Um, and then Elenium actually was coming to play at Voodoo Fest down here in New Orleans, uh, which is this like Halloween themed um, like 
big festival uh and i went and i saw him live and i was like like this is crazy like this is what i want to do and i was like that's yeah yeah and so it was it was just this really crazy experience where i like didn't know any of his stuff and it was like that and his uh his what his say it remix um of the flume and tove low song cool i don't know I'll, I'll, I'll have to check that out yeah that one's that one's a classic that's such a I don't know. I can listen to that remix at any point. Yeah. <laughs> that that was, I think, yeah. what really brought him up. Um, but I also got really into um, San Holo. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his really next cool episode artist. remix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so such a. I think that one's still such a great remix. Um, and so I've kind of followed him as he's transferred from that more like trap oriented, like future bass stuff into his more kind of acoustic, nostalgic element um yeah porter robinson with worlds and his most recent release i've just been it's just been on repeat for me that's awesome um duskus who's also on bitbird if you're familiar tosca black yeah i'm a big bitbird fan which is sun holo's label but uh no that's great man you find something that's kind of in the vein mm-hmm. that you like and you might find other artists that are related um yeah. you know what an artist i'm a huge fan of is is closey and then i've mm. kind of found some of the other artists that seem to collab with her and stuff and found some really interesting work that i like so you mentioned future bass and you seem to have mm. a lot of inspiration from sort of the future bass circuit is yeah how would you describe your music is is that what you would describe it as yeah, I mean, I think I think Future Bass is probably the most, it's like the closest to it. But also, I mean, like I also wouldn't say that I've like found a consistent sound yet. Um, I mean, which I'm, you may have noticed just <laughs> kind of listening to some of the different songs on there. It, I think I'm very much still in a point where I'm like, I'll hear a song or two and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And so I'll try to emulate that with my next track. And so things will come out very differently so like with crashing or surrender which are two of my more recent songs it's much more in that sort of like future base and then there was the most recent one i put out is like instrumental which is inspired by this like whole other playlist of like different artists that i've been listening to yeah um so yeah it's still shifting but it's hard to maybe put everything into one genre comfortably, yeah but yeah i i would, i think that well, a lot of artists play across different genres yeah. and, you know, the genre can't necessarily can't necessarily encompass everything that you do. Right. But I think it's helpful to give listeners an idea, you know, so, yeah. you know, especially if we have uh, maybe some other people that are DJing mm. and things out there and they're looking for some future bass tracks and we yeah. can kind of point them and point them in this direction for yeah. sure. I, I would say I'm more comfortable saying like, okay, it's not house. It's not yeah. like trance or techno. Right? It's yeah. definitely not in that vein. Right. Um, definitely more in that sort of future bass leaning area, a little bit more in that electro pop yeah. kind of sense too. Yeah. You know, let, let's talk about that for a minute, actually. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think are some of the elements that help define, and it doesn't have to be just future base, but mm. let's separate it from techno yeah. and house. What do you think are some of the elements that make it different? So I think one of the biggest ones that like house and like house particularly, you know, like a four on the floor beat is mm-hmm. crucial, right? You have yep. your pretty standard kick, your snare, those sort of syncopated hats, uh, rides, whatever you might want to use there. Um, whereas future base has a little bit more of 
it, it's just it's not four on the floor. I don't know exactly how to describe it, yeah. but you know, I would say it's a, it's half time a lot of the time, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, right. Like the 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 snare is going to be on beat three a lot of the time, right? Instead of beat two and four. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of there's a lot of that. Um, it's just a little bit more like the kicks are, you know, you're solid on one, but then it's like okay, you'll probably have your kick and then another kick like you know just before your snare. Um, so that sort of rhythm, uh, is pretty big. And if you look like on YouTube at those art, at the channels that do like how to make a song like this artist, they'd be like, oh, classic future based beat. And then it'll be like pretty simple, mm -hmm. um, pretty straightforward. It's a great tip um, for people that want to get started in the genre for sure. That's man. A, those are excellent. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, even I don't always love the end results that those kinds of channels come up with, but it definitely does give you a pretty solid sense of like yeah big chords this is your sort of general future bass type beat and then you can yeah play with that and kind of adapt it how you want to adapt it yeah um, the broad strokes yeah yeah Just how to make a future bass beat go right. on to youtube yeah yeah it's a great idea yeah. i mean like heavy side chain on your chords i think eighth notes mm -hmm. are really really big like eighth mm -hmm. note like super saws um yeah. or like if you're going for that kind of bigger sound that's maybe a little bit more towards melodic dubstep it's like big just like wall of sound like chords um, it's usually one of those two yeah um so yeah there's i like yeah, that a few different that elements. thought that thought process too you talk about melodic dubstep right and yeah yeah i i, I see that a lot in future bass and I, I think future bass is very related to dubstep too like kind yes. of the, the pacing of it but i i would say yeah you know from what i hear i i kind of think of it as a brighter sound or a bouncier sound a lot of the time yeah. um, and that's it that side chain compression is absolutely important i think because it, it does help create the bounce in the track right yeah it's it's crucial i mean it's crucial i think mix wise because electronic music is so like kick focused mm -hmm. um you know like you wouldn't mix a, like a jazz song and an electronic music song the same way because like you know the presence of your kick is like the absolute key to your your drop your chorus whatever you want to call yeah. it um so that side chain is like stylistic it's like a mix technique it's all of that stuff but yeah that's that's crucial talk to me a little bit about finding the right kick or developing the right kick for your track you know <laughs> that's <laughs> I, so i did I, so <laughs> yeah right no so so i'm on i'm on splice i think a lot of people who listen probably are familiar with splice um I've been using it for a number of years now. It's where I get like all of my drum samples, some more like melodic hits and stuff, um, like impacts, effects, all that good stuff. Love um, it. And so you just kind of circle through and, and look for one, or do you? Well, yeah, and I and I do actually have a few. So this friend of mine who was he he was signed to a label at the time. And now he's like a songwriter and producer actually out in LA. Um, but he gave me a couple of things. He gave me like a couple of kicks that are his like go-tos. Um, Cause what you want, at least for what I'm looking for is something that, that has enough high end, at least in your drop, like frequency wise high end to sort of help punch through. If you don't have that, you might have to have a top kick or something, mm -hmm. um, but you need both. You need enough low end to really like hit in the chest on a good system but enough high end to like peek through and really kind of punch um but you don't want something super long and boomy 
because then that'll just get in the way of like your base and your other elements. So you want something fairly short, but pretty hard hitting when it you know when it's there. Um, and I think that that helps with the side chain too, is that you can really just hit it pretty quickly, and then and then it yeah. So I, I do I do kind of lean on this. Probably mostly I found success with this one kick sample that he uh, passed off to me, but it often has to be adjusted a little bit. I might have to saturate mm-hmm. it or EQ it or compress it depending on the uh, depending on the song. So cool. Do you have uh, any favorite plugins that you tend towards for favorite compressors, EQs, saturators? Yeah. Um, so I like Fab Filters stuff. I'm on Pro-Q2, I'm not on Pro-Q3 yet. I would love to just for that dynamic mode. Um, the dynamic EQ that, they, that they've that they got built in. Um, but Pro-Q2 is just really great. I think it's easy to use. It's got, um, yeah, it's just pretty straightforward. It doesn't use a ton of CPU, which is awesome because I'm on a mid 2014 uh, MacBook <laughs> with a crappy yeah. processor. Yeah, um, I, uh, I just recently re- retired my 2011 MacBook Pro, so okay. I, I, <laughs> I feel you, man. <laughs> I just kept upgrading it. Yeah. And then, then, then Apple was like, "We're not going to let you upgrade anymore. You're just going <laughs> to bake everything in." So I know. Yeah, it's it's been something. It's been a point of a little bit of problem for me recently is that I have to freeze my track so much, especially with Serum and all these other kind of high CPU usage things. It's like, oh man. Yeah. Uh, it slows the workflow down, which is not ideal. But yeah. Um, Pro-Q is really good. Honestly, for most of my compressors, so I like, I mean, the Wave stock stuff's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's one free one from this company called Clanghelm. It's their like M-U-J-C, something like that. So you said, you said you like the FabFilter plugins. Yes. And then you said waves and then waves, what was yeah and then what was the other one it's called Klanghelm, like Klanghelm. k-l-a-n-g helm um <laughs> yeah they they make a vocal compressor there's like a, a paid version but also a free version um and it's excellent it i think competes really or sometimes outperforms some of the paid stuff uh so i highly recommend that cool to i gotta folks. check that out yeah, check out Klinghelm. Awesome. Love it, man. Love it. Um, super simple, two knobs, right? It's like, yeah, it's great. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that. So sometimes it can be fun to experiment like that. So I, I like yeah. both ways. I like having a plugin where I know everything that's going on, so I can really tweak all the different parameters. Yeah. But on the other hand, sometimes it can be interesting to explore with a plugin that that only has a couple of knobs. Yeah. And you then you just you you are forced to listen and just right. you don't know exactly what it's doing under the right. hood. Right. Do you, do you like it better or don't you is the question. Exactly. Yeah, it's got yeah. I mean it's like, you know, you've got your compression amount mm-hmm. and makeup and then there's like slow, fast, slow and auto. There's a switch for that and it's like, all right, well like just see if it sounds good and yeah you know it's just one of those things where it's like okay does this sound better than me tweaking a bunch of things it's like well if it sounds better i'm just gonna go with that yeah yeah i'm just gonna do it so yeah i think the only thing that i like to really be careful of if i'm looking at something like that is is it making it louder because you always have to be conscious if something's making it louder it's gonna kind of subconsciously make you think it's better and it's just just louder right right the the importance of 
gain staging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's that's where I think you have to really develop your ear with compression is like the really important thing is like, okay, are we sort of hitting the same levels of loudness? Mm-hmm. It does it sound better because it's louder or if once I'm using that makeup knob correctly, are we actually at the same level? And I really like where the compression is. So yeah, hundred percent. That's a, that's a, that's a big skill <laughs> yeah. to develop. Yeah. 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 Can you talk to me a little bit about your creative process? How do you get started on a track? Yeah. Usually it's with chords. Um, I like to take either a piano sound or a fairly simple like synth sound. And when I was in school, I had access to like upright grand pianos pretty regularly. And so I would just kind of go and mess around and, you know, try different progressions, different inversions, stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And just kind of find something that spoke to me progression wise. Um, Do you have any particular resources you like to use to do you? Do you stick to what are popular power progressions? Do you use other tracks for inspiration and progressions? Or or you just kind of yeah. have a few chords <laughs> that you know and you kind of feel it out? Yeah, I mean, I, I have a general, I think, now by this point I have kind of a general sense of like um, just chords and I just use my own ear of like, does yeah. this sound good? And it's like at a certain point, um, I, I mean, I definitely was earlier on picking, like pro- I have progressions that I wrote down on my phone. Um, there's actually there's a YouTube uh, creator that I'm a big fan of named Dylan Tallchief. He's like you know Dutch or something like all okay. electronic music producers are. Um, cool. yeah, and he right. did this song, <laughs> another song. He did a, a whole video. It was like early on. This was probably like four years ago or something. Called he did like how to X artist and it was for San Holo and and he was like yeah so there are a couple of different progressions and I was like oh cool. So awesome. I tried them out and it was like a pretty successful way to get that sound sort of without it just feeling like a carbon copy, right? It wasn't just like a straight like pop progression. Yeah. For me, sometimes it's like I'm like trying to come up with something cool and new and interesting and I'm like, damn, like there are some progressions that just sound good, right? And it's a question of what is more a question of like, what is my sound design? How am I doing this rhythmically? And like, what's my melody sound like? Or like a vocal, right? A strong vocal, like crashing isn't like a crazy chord progression or anything. It's just like, I had a good vocal on top of it. And so it really, it doesn't make you feel, you don't feel like you're listening to like a pop song, even though like that's pretty much the chord progression because there's just other things going on that you can like listen to and feel like, oh, cool. Like, this is what I'm listening to, right? So yeah, I think a hundred percent. I mean, it, it's it's fine to borrow basic chord progressions. Or, yeah. I mean, there's they're so universal. I mean, there's right. you can go on a YouTube and you can hear they have like YouTube videos where it's a hundred songs that use the yeah. same chord progression. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, those, yeah. The songs don't sound anything alike. You know, I know. everybody's yeah. gonna bring their own thing to the table. And it's like, yes. how are you gonna do it rhythmically? How are you gonna orchestrate it? How are you yeah. gonna divide the song sections? Yeah. What's what's your vocal like, you know? And and I think and I think learning about extensions too mm. is a mm-hmm. thing that can totally change the flavor of like, is this a straightforward, like down the middle pop song or Mm-hmm. Are we doing some like somewhat, I mean, more interesting, let's call it, but like, and I think, I think that to go back to your earlier question, like one of the things that I think is really important in future base is using extensions, right? Getting up into like, yeah, you have your triad, but you have 
sevenths and ninths and then like different inversions that sort of I like to mm-hmm. sort of build melodies into the chord progressions to a degree mm-hmm. um, especially with those kind of like top and middle notes that those are things that sort of lead you so instead of it you know you can play like C, G, F, whatever but you have a few extensions a few other notes in there and all of a sudden you've sort of created a whole new attitude or flavor of what yeah. the song actually sounds like yeah it totally changes the flavor i yeah. absolutely agree yeah. do, so looking at that do you i understand the concept of you know kind of starting with a chord progression but then writing the melody sort of at the same time do you mm-hmm. like to kind of block that out on a piano first or do you dive straight into the different instruments i i kind of i don't know some it it depends um for the most recent song I put out, there was like a, so there was a different YouTube channel that I found. I did like a tutorial of one of their sounds and I was just playing around with the sound because it was this really sort of like lo-fi piano type sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, I was like, oh, this is just kind of a cool sound. And then I took a progression and put it in there. And that was very much the central element of the song and everything was was just like, built around that um but like yeah i mean crashing is just like a piano yeah and it just got built around that yeah that's like a really great tip that you just gave though for someone who's stuck Mm. i just think about it you're like okay i because you you did a a creative process that's that's a process that's a workflow right there that you actually talked about right you took a youtube tutorial and everybody knows there's a zillion and one youtube tutorial tutorials out there but you took that and then you combined it with your own chord progression or chord progression you got from somewhere else so you put the two things together and then that was a creative element that led into the process and so was was that for crashing was that how you you mentioned crashing or was that yeah track so the the one for the for the sound sound design tutorial was uh edenborn which is the most recent one Mm -hmm. came out in march march yeah um yeah, that was for that. It was like I took the sound and then I tweaked it a little bit because I was like there were parts of it that I, I wasn't a big fan of. So I just adjusted it and I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool progression that I had come up with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's the central element of my song. Got it. Um, crashing is just a piano. I mean, the intro oh, yeah, is cra- yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just a piano. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, a I don't know, a contact library sound or something. So And a lot of the time, the best songs are have a lot of simple elements in them yeah you know mm-hmm. um yeah there's actually, nothing insane in that song there's nothing like super i don't know there's some interesting sounds i think but like other than that it's like a pretty straightforward song it's a well-written vocal well-performed and you got a whole song so yeah yeah let's talk about that a little bit more um yeah you know for for our listeners uh the tracks that we're talking about. So we're talking about Edenborn and then we're now talking about crashing. Yes. And you can find these on uh, Spotify under Mm -hmm. Digo. It's just D I G O. So if you want to pause and listen to the track and come back with us, so we talk a little bit more about the design of these tracks, but um, so crashing in particular is one of your more popular ones right now. My, yeah, my, my most, stream song ever actually <laughs> yeah yeah so. it's a, well it's a great track i mean i Thank you know you. it's one of those ones you you listen to it a couple of times it sticks in your head so yeah. you know it's absolutely got a ton of potential um what was what was the inspiration for this track so this was i think i started this like right before covid 
last year. So it was probably like early March of 2020. I was just kind of messing around. Um, you know, I was in school and producing was very much like a creative break for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good, it's just a nice way to sort of process and decompress, I guess. Um, and it sort of started right around COVID as people were starting to get a little bit nervous. And then, you know, very quickly it became like, all right, well, we're off school for two weeks and we're all just going to like sit at home because it's dangerous to go outside or, you know. Yeah. And so, and so I just kind of, I just kind of dove right into that. I sort of put all that energy of like uncertainty and anxiety and all the just kind of being uncomfortable and just kind of hold up and really put my mind into that. And I don't, it, and I don't, I don't write intentionally to like get an emotion out. I feel like when I try to get an emotion out either lyrically or chord progression wise, I end up with something that just feels kind of insincere, but I was just making a song. I was just going and like, that's what came out of it. That was the progression. Just being in the moment, I guess yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. It's, I mean, I think, making music i mean like making any art i think can be kind of meditative in the sense that you're not super active right your brain isn't like fully processing each element in a very active way some of it's when you get to a point where you know how to use your software and you know enough about music theory to write it's just sort of it just kind of goes um and i and i think that's just kind of what came out of it uh, and i was looking at found a cool i i i uh the drop of both of the songs, two of the songs I put out more recently, Crashing and Surrender, both actually feature the same lead sound as like the main like plucked lead in the drop. It's this like pan flute sound that I found on on Splice and I sampled it. Uh, and I love it. I think it sounds so great. It does. <laughs> um, but I was really, I was really yeah. inspired by that. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is like the perfect plucked sound because it's natural enough because it's not super synthetic. You know, it's not super synthesized, I guess I should say, but uh, but I found it was the combination of that and like this new sound. I was like, oh, this is awesome! And so I just kind of yeah went through yeah. and I um and I put that instrumental together fairly quickly, um, and then I put it out to this like music club group on campus that me and and Libby who wrote the song and sang it, um, she and I were co-presidents of the club at the time, and I just I put it in that group and I was like hey, singers, send me demos. And I had probably seven or eight people send me demos. Um, and I liked hers the the most. And she and I had known each other for a couple of years. And it was like a cool thing to be able to collaborate with her finally and, and make something that, That's awesome. that we both felt really good about. Yeah. That's awesome. So did you have the entire arrangement at that point? Do you have the the, the drop, the breakdown, like the, the main structure several minutes long? Or did you yes. just have... Okay. Yeah, it was, I think the only thing that wasn't, there were like two things that weren't really fleshed out. It was like the bridge was just the chords, which it mostly is still, I think. Um, (laughs) But it wasn't like fleshed out. It was just like, I don't really know what to do here. Mm -hmm. So I just put the chords so that there was the structure of like eight bars of a bridge or 16 bars or however many bars it is. Um, And I hadn't done anything to sort of change each drop so it was like the first one just repeated twice um which i went back later and sort of changed little things here and there just to keep you know whereas has to be a little bit different so you know taking out an element in the first one that is in the second and third or like a pause somewhere you don't expect it like that very last drop is like her saying when she says crashing right at that first 
like word there's no instruments and then they come back in and it's like just that kind of stuff wasn't in there those sorts of details but yeah the whole song was structured out um awesome so she could write to it yeah i mean one of the nice things is you you sent it out so you got a pool of demos so you were able to pick the the one that you liked the best out of those yes yeah did they did they do full track demos or they just kind of submit like a few bars yeah a couple of singers got full songs to me pretty quickly a couple singers just had like a hook or like pre-chorus and a hook um yeah and i just got to it was cool i got to pick from yeah from a few a few different options yeah that's awesome man that's awesome i I guess it even gives you the potential if you wanted to do a couple of different mix downs or maybe even like a couple of different yeah tracks or you know different things but so it's a lot yeah (laughs) it's it's a lot well and it was the first time i had that opportunity it was the first time i had like collaborated with a singer on a song and like had multiple and it was just like all of a sudden is that the first time you've collaborated with a singer on a song yeah that was the first time really impressive yeah Um, yeah yeah because i had i had done an instrumental before i had done mostly like remixes that i released on soundcloud and then it was like i did an instrumental track and then i did a song that i sang and then it was like i really need to work with like an actual singer (laughs) and songwriter uh and it was yeah and now i've done it twice and i'm working on a third one um that's fantastic year or so so that's cool that's fantastic now did she just give you stems for that basically yeah yeah so i i coached i kind of coached her through she, she didn't really know how to record and we were in different parts of the country yeah so we like you know got on zoom and i sort of like showed her the ropes a little bit of how to record and i uh, was like okay you know i want you to just record a few versions of verse one and then a few versions of verse two, whatever. And so she sent me those stems. I comped them together and did the whole thing and just, yeah. So do you know what environment she recorded in? Her basement. <laughs> That's why I asked. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did she, did, you, did she do anything in particular to create like a makeshift vocal booth or help control the sound? I don't think so. I think I might have been like, oh, maybe if you can find uh No, I, I don't I don't actually think so. Yeah, I think it was just since it was a basement, I think there was carpet, and so I think it was just a little a little bit dampened um by that, but I sort of Dude. had to work with what I had in terms yeah. of like the natural reverb of the room. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it, so. it worked out really well. I, I would yeah, say it, yeah. it turned out a lot better than I was <laughs> expecting it to. I was really quite happy about it. Um for yeah. the most part yeah it was good yeah for sure yeah. well i hope uh i hope some of the the djs out there that might be listening to the podcast will, will pick up that track uh crashing you know i yeah I, by all means i'd heard um i'd heard one of my mentors say once that djs can play tracks but if you really want to be something special you need to break tracks meaning mm-hmm. you need to be the person that gives them something new, gives the people yeah. something new. And they, and then they come to you at the end of the night and they're like, what's that, what's that track you kept playing? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, crashing could be one of those tracks. So I hope some of the people oh, out there that you. like future bass might check that one out for sure. Yeah. I hope so. That'd be great. So going back to just, uh, you know, the creative process, yeah. what do you think are some of the concepts that make a good hook? It's mm, a great question. Um, so, I mean, I think this is like a pretty standard answer. I don't think this, is, I'm gonna like tell anyone something totally new here, but like you need to find the balance of like repeatability, 
with just enough variation to keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. So you want it you want it repetitive enough that it like sticks and that it like sits in people's heads and kind of mulls. But you want it if it's a small rhythmic variation. Like if you have the same hook and it's like the same melody, for example, like three times or four times through. Like maybe the first two can be the same, but the third is fairly different. And the fourth sort of returns to that first two, but small variation there too. But it's, it's yeah, this isn't like the most concrete answer, but like you do need to find a little bit of a balance between like repeating something that's fairly simple, like simple enough that people will remember it. Just even if they're like not listening super actively, but different, like different enough that when people are really engaging with it and listening to it, um, there are enough little changes and differences that they go, oh, cool, like that, that was interesting, that was new, um, right? Like a note being just saying higher in the same, or otherwise the same melodies is, is like a big, big, just even something that small, I think, can make a big difference. So yeah, no, I think that's a great answer, man. I think that's yeah. a fantastic answer. Yeah. Do you have any favorite synthesizers you like to work with so yeah my go-to is serum at the moment um i really like it because so i I was on silence first Mm -hmm. um but it just for me it wasn't very intuitive um to learn uh i didn't feel like when i adjusted parameters and knobs that i could really tell what I was doing and so I didn't learn kind of the repeatability of like okay when I do this this changes I know that for next time I know what it's doing I know how it's going to sound um serum's visual element for me is just it was really a kind of a game changer in terms of I was like okay when I connect this LFO here and I adjust this parameter it changes that I'm like okay I can hear that difference and I understand what I'm doing um and so my sound design just like jumped big time because I was actually able to figure out like what I was doing and how to do it consistently. And, and that was, that was big. Yeah. That's a great point that synth does have a ton of visual feedback, which can be really helpful when you're doing sound design. Yeah. Totally. Do you work entirely like in the box on your computer or do you have like hardware or anything that you like to use too? I recently picked up my first hardware synth earlier this year. Yeah. which is a Casio SK-1. Cool. It's, it's a sampling synth from the mid-80s. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's old school stuff, right? That's old school. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the big feature for me is the sampling thing. I mean, I, I like, I love the flute sound on it. It's a pretty simple like sine wave, like flute. Um, and I'm, I'm working on, I'm trying to make some, some songs with that um, to sort of varying degrees of success. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a really cool synth. I'm mostly in the box, but, um, once I'm a little bit more established in terms of like where I live and with some income, I, I'd love to get some, some more hardware going too. Yeah. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool that you're exploring with the, uh, the actual real world synthesizer too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you, you mentioned you know, trying to find some stability in your life right mm-hmm. now. Uh, how do you balance, you know, work life and, and being an artist and all of that? Yeah. I mean, it's been, I I think it kind of comes in cycles and that's generally how creativity is for me. I'm definitely, I think more recently on a bit of a 
downswing. I haven't really gotten into my DAW to be like creative as much recently. Um, part of that has just been busy. I've been busy with work. Part of it is like, you know, I, the past probably month or so, I, I I recorded with an artist. And so that's not so as much of a creative process as producing, right? I'm like comping vocals and, you know, automating the levels. And then I gotta, I'm gonna have to go in and do all the processing. Um, I got a mixing client, which like, you know, mixing is its own kind of creative process in a way, but it's also more like, like, you know, they have something that they want and I'm just trying to make it happen. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, it, it can be, it can be tough. Uh, I think you have to be intentional about making time for it. Um, Cause when I crashing came out, I mean, all the, all three songs that I've put out in the, since September of last year have come while I've been working. Um, and so you gotta be intentional about, well, f- first of all, things are just going to go kind of slowly. I think you just gotta be a little bit patient um, and not rush things. Um, Cause you don't want to get caught without the things you need. So I was like, you know, I want, I really want to make sure I have good album artwork in order and maybe like a canvas for Spotify and a little bit of like a promo plan uh, for social media. Like, okay, I'm gonna look through hashtags that are popular, right? So you do all that stuff ahead of time. Um, and that can be on your lunch break or it can be after work. It can be, you know, um, just trying to use that free time intentionally to to do all the little things. Um, if that's something you want to do. I mean, I know a lot of people are just making music just for fun, but if you also want to promote it, you know, you have to be um, intentional about creating a little bit of a schedule and creating some graphics or or getting some pictures taken by a friend or whatever, just to, just to have something to post. Um, and yeah, so it, it's tough, but. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah, a lot goes into releasing a track like that what you yeah. mentioned you mentioned the album art what what resources mm-hmm. do you like to use for album art canva canva is, mm-hmm. yeah. i think the big free one that a lot of people know about i've tried to use photos either that i've taken or um actually so with surrender that came out in january i was really fortunate because the singer i worked with on that is also a graphic designer nice. <laughs> so she did the album art <laughs> yeah it was really Solid. cool yeah yeah, that was really, I was like, oh, this is huge, right? She did some promo materials. She did the album art. And I was like, yeah, that's sick. Um, my most recent song, I actually have a, a coworker from home who's also a photographer. So I went, I was like, I've had my eye on her Instagram for a little while for album art. And then I just sort of like went through it and found something that I really liked. That's another thing I would just, as a tip for anyone out there, like make friends with artists who do other types of art. Um, Cause you'll, you know, you can exchange with them or pay them or whatever it is, like however you want to do it. Sometimes they'll just do it because you're friends. Uh, <laughs> as long as you, you know, tag them and get the exposure, I guess. But it's like, you know, finding i'm like i'm friends with a really good photographer and you know a, a, even a different one who's in new orleans and you know i've done some we've done some stuff together one of my housemates does animation and visual art she did my most recent canvas um so yeah I, and then other than that it's like i'll take my own pictures sometimes or have a friend take a picture for album art but uh it's definitely helpful to have people who who don't just have like canva but like can really get into that more advanced stuff and really get you some some cool results yeah that's great tips man i love that just 
networking with other artists as a yeah a, from other mediums as a way of trying to find something that's big yeah so how about this mm. can you tell me something that you wish you had known when you first started producing i think really just to like just create stuff it doesn't have to be good mm. And I think you'll you'll get probably the same answer from any producer you talk to. I was I was watching an interview with Porter Robinson recently uh, about his newest album, where even he was saying this: like most of the projects you make are probably gonna not be good, and that's fine. Like that's cool, no problem. Uh, as long as you're sort of just getting out there and like trying new things and being creative and just like taking risks, because I think like, I was worried early on about like oh well if i try this like it might not sound good and it's like who cares it's in your daw no one has to hear it you know uh you can you know you can make a project it can suck and you'll learn from that and that's awesome and you can you can move and like oh maybe you hated the song but you liked one sound that you made so you can save that and use it in a different song or you liked the chord progression or a sample that you got you liked it but you didn't like how you flipped it this time that's totally cool. Just, uh, you know, I think the important thing is like the more you create, the the more you kind of learn about your own process and and eventually like, I mean, eventually something will stick, right? Like eventually yeah. something will, uh, you will find something you're like, oh, this is awesome. This is really cool. I really like this. Uh, and you'll feel good about it and you can release it if that's what you want to do. You can just listen to it yourself because you like it I and mean, whatever it is. But but yeah, just going out there and I think I think the other thing is like you can always hit command Z. It's a computer, right? Yeah. You can just you can just <laughs> but, undo it. Like it's could, it's not a big deal. It's not tape. It doesn't matter. Yeah, can you can you imagine working on tape? <laughs> oh, no, I really can't. Because I'm doing I was doing vocal automations for these for this mix that I'm I'm working on. And I was thinking I was literally thinking about that. I was like, I have no idea how people did this in the past, because I'm out there like you know, I'll bring it up five decibel or four decibels. And I'm like, nah, that was too much. I'm like, okay, okay. 2.2. And I'm like, I can just go back and do that. Like that's easy. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't imagine. I can't imagine. It's a different world. Big time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, tell me you've played live a little bit. What would, what would your dream gig be? Um, I mean, I think like a festival main stage ha- like has to be, yeah. It you know, I think I just think that that idea that like sort of look of like I don't know. There's there's sort of two sides of it, right? Where I think like a festival main stage would be so sick because it's like you know you got like fire and you have lights and you have all these sick graphics going on. You got like yeah. you know thousands of people going hard to your music or whatever you mix, and you're like that's that seems incredible. Um, but I also think at the same time like one of the things I really enjoyed about DJing like house parties in college is that like, you're all just kind of packed in there and you can, you're really in that, that energy. Like yeah. people are like, like when you do it, like a smooth transition from one song to another and like, you're like, Oh, I picked the song. Like people haven't heard in a while, like, but they're going to just, I think they're going to like it. And then like 25 people in the room are like oh my god that's so cool and they just start going crazy you're like that's the coolest feeling because yeah you're right there and you're like you know you're moving that party forward and you know responsible for people having a good time and it's it's really cool 100 that's awesome yeah. man that's awesome yeah that it, playing 
any kind of uh, a small venue yeah does does have that appeal to it yeah. uh, we're just in there in the moment and and people can come up to you and be like yo this is so cool like that's a great song like oh you're doing a good job and i'm like cool <laughs> you, <laughs> you really get that yeah you get that validation like right there and you're like that's yeah. it that, that yeah. sounds good yeah that's awesome um all right, man. Well, I've got just a, a couple more questions that I yeah. would like to wrap up with here. For sure. So something I like to ask everyone is imagine that you're you're producing a track and you've got sort of a concept, eight or 16 bars. You've got something going, but then you kind of get stuck. Yes. What do you like to do to progress from that point forward? Two things. Because first of all, this happens all the time. I mean, I think this is like a very universal experience of like finding an eight or 16 bar loop that you're like, Oh, this is so cool. Like, this is awesome. And then you're like, all right, well, what, what next? Like, where do I go? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but I think it kind of speaks to the, the last tip. It's like, just try, just like try some stuff out after. Well, okay. So uh, two things, first of all, take a break, right? Mm-hmm. Just take some time, even like a couple hours, a couple of days, just like come back to it because you never know like what you'll hear with fresh ears. You might be like, oh, it'd be cool if I went here or it'd be cool if like this leads into this part that I have because um, I've had times where I'm like, oh, yeah, here's this cool verse I made. And I'm like, oh, no, this is the drop like this is I can actually make something that leads into this and makes this much bigger and more powerful. And I'm like, cool. Okay. Um, and that only happens once you give yourself space. Mm-hmm. Um, cause if you just keep pushing, sometimes it just gets kind of stale and it stagnates and you don't get anywhere. So take a break. That's one thing. It's also good for your ears. So take a yeah. break. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is like, you can just undo stuff if it doesn't sound good. So just try something yeah. new, right? Just yeah. like be like, okay, what about this chord progression? What about, you know, what about, because a lot of the time it's like okay it can be hard to transition out of a drop into the next verse so just try something do i want to go like straight from drop into verse do i want to have like a little two or four bar like kind of breakdown where things fall and then kind of come back up and it's like all right cool i can try both of those out and like worst case i just delete it that's fine it's cool just try something new um i love that man yeah. Take a break. Take a break. Uh, explore. Go ahead. Yeah. And and listen, I think one of the really biggest things too is listen to other like listen to the music you like. Like what are mm-hmm. they doing? Right? What is that? You don't have to copy them, you know, exactly, but I'm like, okay, when you transition from a drop straight into a verse, how do you do it? Okay, you cut out the drums in the last bar. There's a riser and then it goes into right. So it's like just just listening a little bit more analytically to like the music that you kind of stylistically want to emulate can be like, Oh, that's a really cool idea. Maybe I'll put a fill here. Maybe I'll, you know, do a filter sweep or something like that just to be like, Oh, that's how you moved. Uh, and that's how you got out of that, you know, that loop that, that you were in, right. That's those 16 bars are so cool. Like this is a way that I can transition and just make it move a little bit. Yeah. Solid, man. Those are so good. Such good tips. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting producing electronic music? Listen to a lot of music. <laughs> mm. You know, just That's a good idea. Kind of the same thing. You're you're going to have to build, I think, an analytical ear cuz like I mean ultimately 
and people don't love hearing this, but you're never going to come up with something totally original, right? Everything you come up with is going to be sort of your version of other things you hear, right? You like bits and pieces of this song and that song, mm -hmm. whatever. And through the lens of you and your brain and your experiences, you're going to create something new, but you have to listen to other stuff first to get there. Um, you're not going to pull it out of thin air. So find some artists you like. Find some stuff that you sort of want to emulate, kind of. And as you do that, you'll kind of build your skills and you'll build just sort of the knowledge of like how these songs work. And then once you get that down, you can kind of play with it and make new stuff. Uh, the other thing is just like get on YouTube, like look up tutorials. If you want to know how to, how to sound like this artist or how to do this, or how to, I think YouTube is like one of the, most insane resources on the planet because you can find a tutorial for anything you want and it's free it's so true it's so true it's crazy yeah yeah it's unreal um yeah. and and that friend of mine who's i mean he's a professional producer and songwriter like he's gotten songs signed to like like sony and columbia and like really big stuff it's like he's always on youtube he's yeah. like yeah dude just get up get on youtube <laughs> I, I have a PhD from YouTube University. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love it's it. It's a great resource. I think yeah. it's so underrated and I would highly recommend it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, last question. Yes. Do you have a favorite mix or production technique that you could share with the audience? Yeah, sampling into like, in Logic, it used to be Alchemy, but now they have Quick Sampler. It would be simpler in... Ableton, it's basically the same thing at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, just pulling sounds from like like that. Like one of the leads in crashing is me like just making a noise into my microphone and then I put it into a sampler. Um, yeah. that was so that was tight. I okay, I will say, I will say one of the biggest things if you're gonna work with vocals is it's again, it's a sidechain thing, but like sidechain your vocal to the instrumental. Cause like mm. you are, if you're, it depends on your genre, but for the most part, if you have a vocal in a song, that's the centerpiece of your song. So you want to make sure that like no instruments are clashing with that. You want to sidechain either with like multiband or just normal sidechain, whatever. Make sure that that vocal is like the thing. Cause that's the story, right? That's what's gonna like really bring people in. Um, I think for most people listening to like vocal stuff is preferred over just instrumental, not for all of us, but some, uh, many of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so really like, yeah, you can sidechain that you can, you can EQ things so that like the whole like bus of like instrumentals, that's another thing. It's busing your yeah. stuff for CPU and other reasons. But uh, yeah, just, just making sure that, that, that instrumental is like, your job as a producer is to kind of like support that story. Mm -hmm. And it's like the vocalist's job, I think, to really like tell it a little bit more forwardly. And so it's like, all right, that really needs to sit front and center. Um, and if there's, if that's clashing, if you can't hear that main vocal, like that's a, that's kind of a problem. So yeah. So make keep, sure that's really there. Keep other things out of the way of the centerpiece of the story. Yeah. yeah. And if that's, I mean, if that's a volume thing, if it's panning, if, I mean, whatever it is, there's a bunch of different ways to achieve that. But, yeah. uh, but side chaining yeah. your vocal to that, side chaining your vocal to your reverb, your delay, all that stuff is going to really help. Yeah. Bring that space, you know? Yeah. 100%, man. That's a great tip. Yeah. Well, 
Vigo, thanks again so much for being here today, man. Yeah, thank you. Where where can people find you and your music online? Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Spotify is uh, it's just Digo D I G O. Um, Instagram is at official Digo Music. Um, that's probably the best place. I mean, Facebook is Digo, um, okay. and then I have my my link on all of that, so you can listen to my stuff on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, where, wherever you want to take a look perfect fantastic man thanks again for being here today yeah thank you so many great tips talking with Digo today i love the youtube university thing it just inspires me to want to get started to just begin and sometimes i think that that's the hard part thanks for listening to the show if you liked it please subscribe and remember as always On the website, bedroomproducing.com, we will have links to the different things that we discussed with Digo here today. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, my name is Chip, and this is the Bedroom Producing Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Bedroom Producing Podcast. For more content like this, visit bedroomproducing.com.